Hi, I'm Andrew Dubber. I'm the director of Music Tech Fest, and this is the MTF Podcast. Now, about three weeks ago, I was in Manchester. It was just at the point where people were starting to really talk seriously in this part of the world about not going to Manchester, or anywhere else for that matter. I was there for Unconvention, a very well-established conference for the independent music sector. This was their 105th edition. And I was moderating a panel session about the state of the industry and all the different major factors affecting it. And while, of course, the coronavirus was certainly a topic of conversation, it wasn't, like it is today, the topic of conversation. But still, we were already bumping elbows and mostly observing a certain degree of personal space. But now, of course, the world's quite a different place. I hope you're well, and I hope you're safe. Not everyone I know is. Now, while I was in Manchester, I was lucky enough to get time to sit down with my friend Terry Tildesley. I've known Terry since before I heard of Music Tech Fest. We spoke on a panel together in London back in 2013, and since then we've had the chance not only to cross paths, but to work together pretty closely. Terry was the producer at MTF Berlin back in 2016, and, well, normally this is the point in the introduction where I tell you what else this week's guest does and what makes them interesting, but I also like to keep the introduction shorter than the interview. So let's just say that Terry's a music tech generalist. Not in the sense of dabbling, but in the sense of being incredibly accomplished at an astonishing range of things, supporting and advancing all sorts of causes, and taking on enormous challenges with an amazing degree of success, as you'll see. From Unconvention in Manchester, back before the lockdown, here's MTF veteran and role model, Terry Tildesley. Enjoy. Terry, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. It's great to be here and uh, in, in a temporary music tech fest space, which yeah. is wonderful. Wonderful. And uh, we were just talking about what we should call you, what's your title? And, and we went through a range of options, creative technologies producer and tutor. And of course, you're a blogger and you're a musician and you do all of these things. So um, how do you explain to people when they say, oh, so what do you do? Uh, I ask how long they've got. Um, it's a very live conversation. I've been having an unconvention, actually, because there are a lot of people with many different hats. And we're thinking, what can we call ourselves? There should be some music and, and tech equivalent of Renaissance man or woman that sounds a bit 22nd century. So all offers greatly received. Yeah, absolutely. Because you do have this kind of portfolio career, but it's a deliberate career that you seem to have carved out. And I want to talk about that in a little bit. But I, the thing that's kind of flagging up at the moment is this jump thing. And to me, that's new. Do you want to explain a little bit about what Jump is? Yes, it's a, a super exciting uh, music market accelerator program, now in its second year. And it brings together fellows from all over Europe with tutors from all over Europe. They get paired, um, you have to be paired with someone from a different country to, uh, to sort of nurture, um, uh, encourage, help bring forward and move forward all kinds of ideas ranging from platforms for uh, better um, ethical social impact uh, events in, in music through to uh, I'm, I've got an, an amazing fellow uh, who's got a project called Sensi and it's a, a modular MIDI controller slash instrument so I'm very lucky to have a, a, a hardware and software project from uh, Juan Neves. Right. And you're essentially mentoring that process? Yes. So, and the mentoring can take many different forms from um, hardcore sort of financial mentoring through to more creative product 
messaging mentoring, the um, fellows are matched with a tutor and in the, the boost scheme for more advanced projects, um, the tutors also get together to talk with all the fellows and that's brilliant. So when we had a, a debrief yesterday, there was someone who is an expert in uh, finding manufacturers for uh, prototypes who was chipping in with uh, advice for my fellow. Right. So who's behind all this? What's Where does Jump come from? It's uh, come out of the Mama Festival and a brilliant team there. It's headed up by uh, Laura uh, Gardes from France. She's based in Paris. And it's linked up with festivals across Europe. So the fellows get to experience and learn at different music conferences. And it's funded by? It's funded by the Creative Europe programme. Okay. So... Is that going to make a huge difference when the UK leaves, uh, your participation in that? Or is that already sort of solid and solved? Uh, my personal participation is just uh, for this year anyway, for the programme till October. And we understand the programme will continue. Um, but I think there's a, a lot of things to be decided, certainly from the British end, right. unfortunately. Yeah, of course. So so what are the sort of the projects that are being supported through this? Obviously, you've got this uh, hardware and software one, but are, are there others in the same vein or are they very different? They're all very different and it's one of the, the joys of the programme. So um, also on the Boost scheme there's um, Terrible Merch who have a very innovative way of um, creating and running merch that's also um, has a, a great environmental advantage uh, because their system means there's no stockpiling of old merch that, that doesn't get used and many more brilliant things. And then there's things like um, uh, a network that's forming or someone's forming a network of venues in Eastern European countries to create more of a, a touring circuit in right. those countries. So it's all very collaborative. And quite apart from the, the sort of uh, fellow and um, tutor relationship, I personally and everyone on the scheme is getting to meet some really, really fantastic people. And we're already having many ideas even beyond the programme. And it's only the first session of the programme this year. Well, your connection with music tech has gone back quite some way. I mean, Kit Monsters, tell us a little bit about that, where that comes from and how you joined the dots there. Um, yes, I was very frustrated as a musician when I wanted to buy some new equipment. It's a very simple kind of, this is why I started it and it's, it's grown into something quite different. But um, I wanted to buy a new amp. I was in an all-female garage punk band at the time and uh, you look and see who's who's using the gear. I think you you, you know, see who the influencers are and the one I was most interested in I looked at their influencers and um, it were people who were the um, artist ambassadors and they were all guys right. and I thought hang on you know 50 people on your you know artist list and they're all guys is there not a single woman who might use an amp who you could have found so that was very irksome but also when you go and visit shops um, and this isn't just a, a female thing actually sometimes people are, uh, can be very supercilious or assume you know it's your boyfriend who who wants to buy the equipment and you don't necessarily get very good service and so I found myself asking bands after events about their gear and I thought well this is information other people should have so um, I started the website with the aim of, of getting a very real non-press release 360 view of, of how people make music and the craft and um, yes the idea to make it very inclusive and really accessible so that you can have a very in-depth interview which may contain all the 
you know, technical details and, and the good geek out, but in language that would mean a, a somebody who was very new to music could understand. And I have a background in journalism and TV producing and directing. And my role has often been to explain madly complicated things in a, in a straightforward way. So right. I enjoy that. So what's your technical background? Where does this knowledge come from that you can, I mean, obviously to explain to the general public something that's very complicated, you need to understand the thing that's very complicated. I think you do. I've always loved science and technology, but I don't have a, a special science or, or technology background. It's not something I studied. I studied languages. I studied journalism. So um, it's a combination of me sort of being interested and picking things up along the way. Um, also asking the right questions of people. I did a, a wonderful interview um, with uh, Haldor from Iceland who made this crazy and wonderful instrument called the Haldoraphone. And it's one that um, the Oscar-winning composer Hilda Gonadottir used on the Joker score. Right. And I was fascinated by this amazing thing. And so he very kindly agreed to an interview. And he wrote back and said, I love your questions. And it is that, that sort of, I suppose that combination of interest and analysis and trying to ask things that will tease information out in, in a good way. Right. Um, but also as, with being a journalist and also working in some quite high-profile current affairs programmes over the years, you have to be able to zoom in on a subject and pick it up very quickly and make sure you, you know, you're across all the key details and accurate, even if you're not an expert, because you can talk to experts for the expert opinion. So you were working for the BBC, you were working as a journalist, and in a lot of people's minds that's kind of the very solid job for life-y kind of thing. That's not what you do now, and what you've kind of seemed to have done is gone for things that fascinate you rather than things that you can necessarily rely on. Do you want to talk about sort of the, I don't know, I guess the psychology behind that? What drives you towards things that are at least a little bit speculative? Um, I'm not sure it, so much if it's the psychology or if it's... Um, number of life-changing moments of which Music Tech Fest is one but I'll come back to that. Sure. Um, I have a perpetual curiosity. I've always been passionate about music and very interested in technology and um, when I was studying and going to university there wasn't so much of that kind of thing around. Um, things were very analogue and, and old school and all seemed very intimidating so although I've always gone to loads of gigs and played guitar and done all these things I wasn't I didn't see any particular way forward and then um, working in TV I you know pursued my passions as best I could sometimes in quite a funny way so getting you know drum and bass into very serious current affair program title sequences and things like that sure. and there's a, a lovely little thing where I was doing a panorama and a lot of it was based in Liverpool and the editor said oh I want some music from Liverpool and so I put in a, a, a band up and coming at that time called the Coral he said what's this it's not the Beatles I said it's the coolest band around in Liverpool we're having it in and I won that one but right. um but yes there is this curiosity and I've been lucky enough having come through television to to realize that there was more I wanted to do and I sort of changed uh changed my route if you like um by starting Kit Monsters and um aiming to to make that a business and actually it's become more of a stepping stone to other things than a, a big business in itself sure. but um it's it's been great and I love supporting and giving a platform to um new artists makers 
innovators, some of whom have then ended up doing things at Music Tech Fest. Sure, sure. And one of the things that uh, this all led you to was Resonate. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that journey and what, what Resonate is? Yes, Resonate is an ethical music streaming cooperative and it's setting out to change the music ecosystem and give artists um, both more money so that there's a, a fair trade kind of streaming, um, a share of the profits and also a say because um, artists have to kind of fit in with all these huge businesses and, and technologies that aren't designed around them and the sort of firm belief at Resonate is that artists should own the technologies that they use and also own their own data so that they can take that with them rather than having um, you know if a platform goes down or, or gets less well used like MySpace you know people still have groups of fans from MySpace that they can't bring into their sure. their current lives. So um, I'm on the board of Resonate and uh, representing both the sort of artist view and and doing outreach and, and so on. And we've currently we're currently in advanced beta. So we've got about twelve thousand tracks, um, hundreds of labels, a lot of self-releasing artists. And it's a very exciting time because we've got a new uh, CEO who's from Seattle, Rich Jensen, and he was one of the original sub pop team. Okay. So brings a wealth of music industry experience to, to complement what we've already been doing. Because it's uh, there is a kind of a blockchain technology basis for what Resonate does. And I know that that was kind of buzzwordy about a year or so ago. Um, but th did that make things difficult for you to communicate to people about why this was a good thing? Or you know, was blockchain useful to you in that respect? Uh, I think, let, let's say, it was a bit of a, a mixed bag in many ways on, on reflection, because um, obviously there are huge possibilities, there still are, um, in the realms of music and what artists might need, smart contracts, swift payment, um, recording their you know, firm records of, of tunes and stems so that they can receive royalties, um, and uh, people like Imogen Heap with Mycelia have recognised that and done a lot of work in that. So, um, you know, there are huge potentials and possibilities, but also there was a huge amount of hype because a lot of people saw blockchain as, oh, it's all about cryptocurrency and getting rich quickly. Right. And uh, as we've seen from the, the crypto tanking last year, um, it's not quite that simple. So, and, and I think one of the things when you're doing something innovative that pos potentially combines different technologies is you do have quite a lot of explaining to do and not everyone's interested in in all the different bits but at the end of the day um we have a very um you know it's a very simple concept at, at resonate which is you you join you become a member you're part of the family or a cooperative member and and it's your cooperative and that doesn't change you know the technologies may change the the you know, blockchains may come and go because there's more than one people. I'm always having to explain this. There's not just one blockchain, there's lots. Yeah. Um, and that gives you a kind of a strength. Right. And does it require scale in order to work economically for the people involved or can it remain 12,000 tracks and uh, and uh, a handful of, of you know exciting record labels oh no of course we you know we're aiming to to scale and um it's been designed to be scalable it something that started off as a um volunteer-led proof of concept has had many iterations but the the most recent work over the past couple of years has been to make it eminently 
scalable. And, uh, you know, we want to be a home for, for music fans, active music fans. I mean, all music fans are welcome, but um, people who, who care about music. So, you know, we're an alternative, we're value driven. And there is a real thirst for that because as people become more aware of the fact that musicians aren't getting the benefits of all these streams in, in many cases and that um, the, the people making the most money out of music seem to be big technology companies, you know, there are people who want to support artists and artists can you know, obviously invite people to, to support them there. Let's talk a little bit about your pop music career, or, or <laughs> should I say electro-punk, or do, do you have a categorisation that you prefer, or is it just it's music that you make? Uh, well, I've got a, a couple of hats at the moment in terms of um, music making. So um, I have a band, Feral Five, which is an electro-punk band, so it's um, kind of, uh, yeah, big beats, electronics, punk attitude, um, songs that talk about weird things, like... Uh, AI robo companions and so on. Um, so I do that. I love performing. I'm, it's a very much a, a, a 50-50 setup in the band. So myself, my, my bandmate, Andrew Smith, we write, produce, arrange and, and do all that together. And that's going really well. I mean, that's, that's become really visible and some real kind of notable successes and broadcasts <laughs> and releases and so on. Thank is you. That, is that- <laughs> Is that a strange thing to experience as well, I guess, as a grown up? Um, it's strange and delightful because, you know, we're not young and so we set out to do what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what people, you know, might make of it or are making of it. And uh, but it has caught, you know, it has caught people's imagination and people are enjoying it. And we have yeah, we get played on um, you know, BBC Radio Six Music and uh, Radio X. We've had some music in film and supported some of our favourite legendary artists like Black Grape and and Shriekback and Test Department. Um, and we even played in the National Portrait Gallery as well, which was astonishing. Um, that seems somehow inappropriate. I know it was delightfully inappropriate. And there's a there's an amazing photo of me. I, I don't always just talk about me and amazing photos, but there's an amazing photo of me sort of raising my fist in the National Portrait Gallery, singing what is a, a actually an anti-Trump song um, in front of this legendary portrait of of black clad parliamentarians Um, and that's all thanks to Martin Ware of the Human League Heaven 17 because he put on a night there um, a sort of experimental night of music art film to to celebrate Picasso portraits Wow! and your other musical hat and my other musical hat so um, I've also been uh, making a bit of experimental music and and sound art and contributed to a, a couple of events and I released my first ever solo single last week. Congratulations. Thank you, called Butterfly Wings. And um, and that was a, a complete joy, doing something very different. Uh, it's much sort of quieter and down-tempo. Um, features a live butterfly sound from a butterfly that came into my studio. Oh, wow. And, um, and sort of put it out there not knowing what to expect at all. And um, John Kennedy played on Radio X, which I was delighted and, and amazed about. Right. And it's uh, given me a chance to kind of experiment a bit more and, and paint 
with sound, if you like. Wow. Yeah. So I may be a bit of a late starter in the kind of solo single, but hey, <laughs> never say never. Well, ex- I mean, never say never would, would be a good thing to have as your motto, I think, because it sounds like the things that interest you, you go and try them and you, you go and make something of them because there's, there's always this kind of ever-evolving aspect to your career. Is that deliberate or is it something you find yourself falling into? Um, probably a bit of both, but... Yes, trying things out is very important to me. So if I'm writing about something, an app or whatever, I, I do want to try it out first. Mm-hmm. And and then also you can ask better questions about it. Um, but yes, I think kind of getting stuck into everything is really important. Sure, sure. So let's talk about Music Tech Fest, because you were there before I was. You were at the That's first astonishing. one. astonishing. Isn't it? <laughs> and that was 2012, yeah. the, the first one. And what was, so what was your first introduction to the world of Music Tech Fest? I can honestly say Music Tech Fest has changed my life. Absolutely. Um, So I was already running the blog and I heard about this first ever Music Tech Fest. I thought, oh, wow, I'll have some of that. Let me go along. And um, so I went and uh, reported on it, met some incredible people, uh, some of whom I'm still kind of friends or or even workmates with um, today. And, um, And the relationship gradually grew over the episodes music tech fest to um contributing uh ideas for for performers or uh, people with new music gear um i've uh presented a talk i've performed at music tech fest and um it Hang was on, let's ma- just pause for a second <laughs> because the performance at music tech fest is kind of iconic in the in the, in the sort of the history of music tech fest because it wasn't just you on stage, uh, you were playing, if I remember rightly, a broken speak and spell uh, device. There was um, people with uh, hacked Wiimote controllers performing. You had a 3D printer playing the drums. You had um, uh, Lou Edmonds from Public Image uh, joining you on, on a, what seemed like a handmade guitar. It was handmade, sort of yes, thing. yes. Yeah. And, and, that, and it was one of those things that was sort of a jam that just became all this kind of iconic and, and, uh, and the sort of legendary performance at, at MTF. How did that actually come together? How organic? was that what happened it was it was joyful anarchy and um it was the concept of music tech fest is you don't play your normal set there's something extra different and that's why people who get to be there find it so magical because you can see sort of stars jamming with all sorts of people like Graham massey from you know, 808 state so um we'd been uh recording and doing it with a 3d printer and did a song looking ahead to the idea, the concept of 3D printing humans and who's in control and what are the ethics around that. Um, I love exploring uh, interesting topics in quite a political way and and trying to turn them into kind of electropunk pop songs, I suppose. And... um, Yes, yeah, so we so we were exploring that whole field and uh, and been sampling three D printing and creating three D printed artwork to uh, accompany a vinyl release. I think we were the first person to get three D printed artwork into record shops like Rough Trade, right. but um, there wasn't a, a cup or a medal for it at the time, so I can't be hundred percent sure. And uh, so, with the invitation to be part of Music Tech Fest on stage, the idea was to have a jam and 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 um, so the music. Tech Fest idea was, well, we've got Lou Edmonds from Public Image. I adore Public Image. And jam with him and with Fakebit Polytechnic because they've got upcycled um, video game controllers. So it was just crazy joy. And 
I got um, given a hacked speak and spell, yeah. um, which I used in MTF Paris, actually, in a jam. That's right. Which was also awesome. So um, we could probably have done a few hours if, if we'd had the stage time. Yeah. <laughs> we'd have enjoyed it, even if nobody else. Well, it went down very well. But um, you became more and more involved in Music Tech Fest as it went along. And, and so when we got to Germany and Berlin in 2016, which was our second Berlin Music Tech Fest, you were producing... I was, and it was a, a magic moment because I'd been uh, on the advisory board and contributing ideas and, and uh, helping with the programming of the, the first version of Music Tech Fest in Berlin, which was smaller. And then in 2016, you'd negotiated to have this incredible historic venue, the, the Funk House, uh, and to ramp things up to quite an epic scale. Um, yes, and I had the joy of... of producing it and the challenges. Yeah, but uh, what you brought to it, I guess, um, um, from my perspective, was um, a real performance-led uh, element to it. And, and I think that this, this kind of curated stage that, uh, that you put together was something that sort of lifted the game of Music Tech Fest on that front uh, quite substantially. What was your thinking going into that and what you wanted to sort of communicate or present? I think... Um Definitely build on the, on the sort of history of Music Tech Fest with people collaborating. Mm. And also, you know, sometimes people who, who make amazing new instruments and prototypes aren't necessarily performers. And to bring their vision alive, you want performers who want to get stuck in and do things. And um, so bringing in people like Esker, who is a, an amazing artist, you know, nominated for a Mercury Prize for her debut album, um, but loves experimenting. And, and I'd already interviewed her and knew that she'd given her band a few quid to go to the pound shop and bring back strange things to perform on the album. Right. So I knew she had that you know, sensibility. And so bringing someone like her in to, to collaborate and, and try new things out, um, yes, I, I think it really did make for a fantastic atmosphere and afterwards she said oh it's like a creative summer camp yeah. and I thought what a lovely description yeah that is and what was great for me was I was already a big fan of Eska's album and her work with Zero Seven and then I found out by her going to Music Tech Fest that she was actually this postgraduate mathematics you know expert and she was getting involved in the hackathon making things with Tom Fox and you know winning prizes as a hacker and not just getting up on stage and and singing so it was quite extraordinary the sort of the overlaps that people have. It was astonishing and also when when you look at the footage and the photos somehow Esker's everywhere and think I had no idea she was outside with the polyrhythmic choir and, and so on and she was performing of course with um, Yan Bang yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, she, yeah, it's one of these things, and, and she kind of embodied, I guess, the spirit of MTF is that everybody does everything or everybody tries everything or collaborates with everybody, and the results of that get showcased on the stage. And, and I guess that sort of performance element that you sort of really kind of pushed at that side really kind of helped with that. But you also kind of were, I guess what I would call the vehicle for extending this um, gender equality side of what Music Tech Fest is and trying to really make sure that that, that was kind of a, a front foot. It's something I'm very passionate about, and it was great that um, you know you wanted to wanted that to happen, and so um, so yes, I tried to bring in as many new people as possible, and also it's quite a, a lesson to be learned for any organisation, I think, which is you know when when you hear people say oh there aren't enough of 
whatever you want around. If there aren't enough around, you're not doing your outreach right. You know, I'm not saying Music Tech Fest wasn't doing outreach right, but I think you do have to reach out and and show people that you know the way in, and encourage people to apply. And um, at Music Tech Fest. For that Music Tech Fest, there was the open application process, but also finding amazing women who might want to come and, and inviting them over, you and know, like not, Grace Savage. Not, and, well, people who might know. not put themselves forward necessarily for things Yeah, as well. and, and also, I mean, music making is creative and experimental by its very nature, but people don't always think of themselves as music tech people within that. Mm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that people who, who are creative and experimental can't do great things when you know when they have the opportunity to work with other people but one thing that did really strike me actually was when looking at the um the application call out process and what came in was that uh, a lot of female artists and innovators are not sort of backed in the same way by universities or don't have um uh, artist endorsements with with big companies and that means it's much harder for them to to access festivals and uh, events off their own bat and I think it's very important to um, you know, look at that very carefully if you're running an event mm-hmm. and you know it's one thing you know finding people or encouraging them to apply but can can they get there will they have enough support and so on mm. I know we're only sort of four years down the road from that but you th- do you think generally things are getting better on that front um, I think, do you mean in music or music tech? Well, I guess you choose. I was <laughs> going to say, in music generally, there seems to be a push, like, for instance, the PRS foundations. I, th- I think there's a, you know, there's a growing awareness. Um, there are some great schemes. Uh, you know, Key Change EU really has um, changed the debate. I think some people are quite sceptical of it. What can they really achieve? Um, there's a lot of debate. And we really need action and look at how to remove barriers to action i think um you know there's a lot of grassroots action there are collectives who um, for example book female artists put on their own festivals have radio shows and websites like loud women get in her ears um but we're still seeing a kind of resistance at, at the top end of things and uh, those hideous graphics of festivals with all the the, the sort of male names removed and, and you see like one or two little tiny print names of, of female artists and uh, and there's some great research going on and I think that has also opened a lot of doors because you know if you don't have the stats and the research to back things up then people can go oh you know it's just those women moaning and then you've got someone like uh, Vic Bain who's very eminent in the industry and has done some very valuable research about not just festivals but uh, about how few women are actually signed to labels or to publishing companies and so there is a pipeline problem um so so i think you know we're in a much better place than we were um a few years ago at grassroots level there's so much more going on people are actively trying to improve their their diversity uh but there is still quite a lot of change needed. Well, one of the things that uh, I've done while I've been here at Unconvention was to moderate a panel that was about sort of the state of the music industry in 2020. And I did the same state of the industry last year, and I've done it before in in different iterations. This is the first time it's been really optimistic. People are saying there is definite 
positive change in this realm, in environment, in how people are treated, in the thinking about things like mental health and about, you know, all the opportunities that are. And even though people realize it's sort of they're faced with hard things, particularly here in Britain, where you're sort of being cut off as an island from the rest of Europe, um, but also in terms of, you know, government support for creative industries, um, all those sorts of things. And yet there is this incredible positivity going on. Um, like, for instance, a lot of identification of, of uh, there are a lot more women, for instance, working behind the scenes in festivals and, and, and record labels and those sorts of things than, than ever before. Do you think that optimism is sort of uh, defiant in the face of, of terrible odds? Or do you think there's actually reason for optimism? now that there wasn't before? I think there's huge reason for optimism because, um, you know, people are sussed and, and a few years ago I'd be going to music conferences and it would be, what's it like being a woman in music? Right. And then after like, you know, a load of these, you go, oh God, this is so boring. It should be, you know, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to change things? Mm. And uh, now added to that is, right, well, I've just done this new thing. Not me personally, but other people. And, you know, there's new festivals springing up all over the place. There was um, an amazing one last year called Crocroland. And effortlessly had a 50-50 bill of superb up-and-coming bands. Uh, you know, John Kennedy from Radio X was there scouting. You know, it's all there. And also, um, you know, just seeing, uh, I think I might have said this already, but grassroots level, the, the sort of diversity in, in bands at the moment is very encouraging. So I think people people are sort of clued up now and think, well, I am going to have to do my bit to make this happen, but I'm happy to do that. And there's so much solidarity and support. And... Um, I think there's been a cliche of the years that perhaps the women don't support each other and a absolutely the opposite is true. The the support, the, the solidarity, the, the sort of uh, giving people a hand up, both um, in terms of, sort of performers and people behind the scenes is, you know, it's a huge, huge strength. And also it's a generational thing, you know, uh, people who are sort of coming through, you know, in their sort of late teens, 20s, 30s, they, you know, they've seen the way things should be and they are the people who are making it happen. And now you're mentoring, let's just go back to Jump, and you're mentoring and uh, seeing, I, I guess, the next generation come through. Are the attitudes that you're seeing with this generation different than what you grew up around or is it, uh, is it just more justified now? The attitudes are very different. I think there's, there's more of a sense of, of possibility and and also with you know the digital world, there are so many more opportunities to find things out and to uh, experiment with things and, and, and make music yourself. Um, so a lot of barriers have been removed. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess you don't have to be 18 years old for those barriers to be removed and, and for you to act on them either. No. <laughs> Terry, it's been really great to talk. Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Cheers. That's Terry Tildesley, a.k.a. Cat5. You can find Terry on Twitter, cat with a K underscore five, the word five, not the number. And of course, you can go and check out kitmonsters.com for music tech gear and lots more, including this fantastic interview with Pitch Black, whose latest album is an absolute favorite of mine. And well, that's the MTF podcast. If you enjoyed that, and given that you're still here, I'd consider that a pretty good sign. Why not check out some of the other back episodes of the MTF podcast? There's bound to be something of interest in there for you. And of course, subscribe, rate, review, share, like, all the usual, and I will catch you back here next week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay home if you can, and we'll talk soon. Cheers. Cheers.